0: Hey, this is J.J. Matat. I'm the worship pastor at Jubilee, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope it ministers to your heart and allows God to speak right to you. If you would like to know more about our church, visit jfc.org. Enjoy the message. Through disease, famine, and slavery, your promise remained. You made a way. When men were surrounded by soldiers, trapped with the lions in the darkness, through prayer and a jawbone, you made a way. Giants may tower over us, enemies may build walls, but by pebble and trumpet, through large armies and through weak soldiers, you made a way. Even when your own children cursed your name, when you were beaten, broken, and nailed to a tree, you promised to save. You conquered death and you made a way. We continue to prove time and time again that we are hopeless. Still, you make a way, you make a way to love us and show us who you are, you are the way maker, you are the promise keeper.
1: Palm Sunday. You doing good? You ready? You awake? I'm excited to be up here. Um, Before I jump into the message though, I wanted to share a little bit of personal news because I am starting to not be able to hide it. (laughs) Um, But we are expecting our fourth little baby. We're very excited. My goal at the beginning was I just wasn't, I was I told JJ, I said, we should just not tell anybody and just show up with a baby. Just like show up at all these places. But unfortunately, I'm in front of people. So starting, it was either you're going to think I was getting very chubby or you could celebrate that we are having a baby that we're so excited about. We don't know what it's going to be. We thought, you know, we already have the boys. We have a girl. So either way, we're good. We have the clothes. So we're just going to be surprised. So when we find out we'll let you know. <laughs> but just really overjoyed that I'm almost in my third trimester, so getting getting close to meeting a new little person. And um, yeah, we we just feel like, you know, this world needs more light and we want to bring more light into this world and are very excited to be able to do that. So We'll keep you updated with what happens. Um, But we're currently in the middle of a series right now called Waymaker. And last week, Pastor John talked about the friends of the cross and Jesus being up there and who was there with him and what they did. And if you haven't listened, go back and listen to it. It was, I think, a really special message that really just... um, Gave a unique and different look to that cross and from a different perspective, and I just pulled a lot out of it, and I think it'll bless you too, but today I want to talk about the last words of Jesus, right? Leading up to next week, we get to come back, and we get to, I'm so excited that we get to celebrate Easter in person this year, just so excited, Oh, I think we should all just come in, right, with just high expectations that last year we had to watch it online, but this year we're coming to party. We're coming to worship you together, Jesus, and I am so excited about that. But before we get to the resurrection, Jesus is on a cross. And he's hanging there and he has these last words. And I think it's important that we spend a little bit of time focusing on what he says to us. It's this message. He knows, right? I mean, your last words, those are pretty important. And he knows these are going to be the last words I utter before I die. And what are they going to be? And we know it, right? We we know it as Jesus speaks. It is Finished. It is finished. And we find this in John 19, 28 through 30. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirits. And I think there's a lot we can pull out of this. I think if you're someone who is listening and maybe for the first time you read these words and you don't know how the story ends and you don't know that there's a resurrection after this or you didn't hear of the prophecies and you're sitting there, right? There's people in this crowd and they're looking at Jesus and they have put all their hope in him. They've given up their family, they've given up their career, they've given up everything. And they're looking at him and they're thinking, this is not what I pictured. This is not what I imagined it to be. Jesus, weren't you supposed to be the king of kings? Weren't you supposed to be the savior of us? Weren't you supposed to come and rescue Israel? What is happening right now? It's these people in the crowd and they're looking at him desperate. Give me something to hold on to. Give me something to grab hold of because this can't be it. This can't be how the story ends. And he looks at them and he utters this phrase, because, right, Jesus didn't speak in English. (laughs) That That wasn't the language that they used. He uses actually a Greek phrase, he uses a Greek word for his last word. He's looking at these people who are saying, Give me something. Something to hold on to. And he says this to tell us, die. To tell us, die. It is finished. But what he's saying is so much more and so much deeper than just, it is finished. During that time, it would have it had symbolism, and it meant it was a phrase that they used in specific times. And I want to talk about when this word would have been used to tell us die. There were three different times that it was used specifically that Jesus was was referencing. In this one word, it's all encompassing of what he was doing right then, of what was being finished. And the first one is this. He looks out to that person who goes, what is happening? Please tell me there's more. And he says to Telestai, the work is complete. The work is complete. This word would signal at the end of a long day or project that the work would have been complete. So during that time and in that culture, after a long, hard, laboring time, after a big project, after something that had to be accomplished was done and was complete, they would look at one another and they would say, Tetelestai, the work is complete. And they would save it until the end. They would save it until the work was actually done. And what Jesus is saying is the work isn't still being figured out. He is telling us the work is complete, it's finished today. This isn't the end, this is the beginning for you. This is the start of a new day and a new dawn and I completed the work. Or in a similar way, when artists would finish their masterpiece, would finally be done and they would take that step back and look at what they created, they would say, "To tetelestai the masterpiece is complete." And he looked out and he said, the masterpiece is done. Look at how perfect it is. There were other people there that are mocking Jesus and laughing, and yet he gets the last laugh because he says, the joke's on you. The work has actually been completed today and that work is for us. So what was the work that he came? What task did he come to complete? I think sometimes church, we get really good at memorizing scripture and we get really good at knowing these stories and knowing our Bible, but we don't take a minute to dig deeper. Well, Jesus came to do the work. okay, well, what was the work? What was the work? My prayer and my hope in this uh, message, and in knowing this, is that these words are not just wrote to us; that it's not just words we 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 just speak of and we say and we you, we go through it. Right? We go through the motions, but church, the power of what Jesus did for us—that it that. What he did and the work that he finished, it should stir us, it should excite us, it should get us up in the mornings. It should not just be, well, Jesus died and then he rose and oh, yay, no, no, it should be inside. It should be everything that you are. It should be what you live and what you breathe because the power of the gospel changed your life. And that can't just be a one-time thing. Don't let a moment of salvation pass you by. Your salvation should be daily. <laughs> it, should, it should. We should get up and we should look different and not just look different because we act different. We're excited about this Jesus we serve. We're excited about what he did for us, about the work he completed. But if we don't take the time to know these things, we aren't gonna be excited. You gotta know the God you serve. You gotta know what Jesus did for you. You have to wrestle these things out. And this is what, this is what it tells us, right? In Luke 4, 18 through 19, it's this prophetic word that Jesus is fulfilling about himself, it's back from Isaiah. So it's this word that Isaiah speaks, and then Jesus, it, it was about the coming of who Jesus was gonna be. It was this, I'm gonna hold on for the Israelites because there's a savior coming. There's a work that's going to be done, right? The work was slowly being built up to Jesus. There was a work all along the way from the very beginning. God sees that there's a work now. Sin enters the world and God goes, okay, there's work to be done. He immediately gets to work. And begins to lay the path. And so this is what it says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Do we see it like this? This work that he had was good news. It was good. It tasted good. And it looked good. It says taste and see that the Lord is good. He came to bring good news and to complete that good news. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. Literally and figuratively, right? Those aren't just actual captives, but those who have walked around in shame and condemnation, in guilt, in slavery to their sin. He came to set you free. That the blind will see, and again physically, but also that our eyes would be open to see the freedom that He has for us. That the oppressed will be set free. I think how often do we really grab hold of that? That work was completed, church, to tell us I you're not oppressed. You're not pressed down, you're set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. I think here's where a, a lot of times we get led astray is we think there's still work for us to do, <laughs> right? We, we understand the part of salvation Well, Jesus came and he died for us. Yeah, but he finished the work for you. It was a job you were never gonna finish. It was a work that was never gonna be completed. So he had to come and complete your work. And the best thing you can do is not strive anymore. He doesn't want you to strive because striving gets you nowhere. You can do is celebrate and enjoy this wonderful thing Jesus has done for you. To tell us, die, the work is done, it's finished. It's finished. He tells Zacchaeus, right, when he's up in the tree and, and, and Jesus is walking by, he, he tells Zacchaeus, I've come to seek and save the lost. That is my mission. And that's his mission today too. I've come to seek and save the lost, to save you that you can have life, that that's my work. And when he died on the cross, he completed that work. He came to save you. He came to seek you. A lot of times you hear people be like, well, the day I found Jesus. (laughs) No, the day Jesus found you. He found you. He got you. You didn't do it. He did. You heeded, and we should celebrate that, and we should look at that with victory. tell So he's looking out, and he's telling them the work is completed. But then there's this other meaning to it. And I think this is probably the most common, this would have been the most common used way of using "I," and it would have been this. The debt is paid In full. The debt is paid in full. He's looking at these people, and I just, I picture Jesus hanging on the cross and looking at our faces and saying, Your debt is paid and 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 he's literally speaking this out to tell us that your debt has been paid you're free to go on your way during that time when a debt was paid, they would be given a stamp, right? They'd be given a receipt. So they would go and once, not when they would pay a little bit, but when it was paid in full, there was this receipt that they'd be given. And on it would be a stamp. And there would be this one word on that stamp to tell us, I, you're stamped now, you're free. And if we could grasp how great our debt was, how much we owed a debt we could never repay. We would never have heard the words to tell Telestai, your debt was too much. We would have lived the rest of our lives in bankruptcy, just racking up more and more and more debt. And the thing is, it wasn't erased. Debt is never erased. Debt has to be paid for. You often hear pastors or or Christians explain, well, it's a free gift. It wasn't a free gift. What he did was very costly and very expensive. It was priceless what he did. And you couldn't afford the gift. And so he knew he had to take your place. And he had to pay your debts. And he put himself on the cross for you. To tell us that your debt has been paid. What debt did he have to pay? Colossians 2.14 By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Church, you can walk out of here with the assurance he nailed your sin and your debt to the cross that you don't have to carry it around anymore, that you are not slave and owed now. You are free. You carry around a receipt that says, to die, your debt has been paid in full. That is, it's so good. It's so good. And it should, it should stir us up. Wow, you did that for me? You died for me? Hebrews ten twelve through 13 says this, but our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. It was the only way. It was the only way the debt was going to be settled. And it's good for what? All time. It's good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. I think this story is so grand, right? What Jesus did for us is so big and so large, it's sometimes hard for us in our humanness to comprehend really what he did. So we say it and it almost is too much that we can't even process how great it is. So I wanna bring it smaller to a 16-year-old girl and her dad. So when I was 16, my parents got me a car so I could chauffeur my younger brothers around. It was really more probably a gift for them than for myself. (laughs) But it was this Honda Civic, and it was everything to me. I thought I (laughs) was it, driving around in my blue Honda Civic. And so, you know, my parents, we talked about responsibility, don't speed, if you get a ticket, you will be in trouble. If you ever drink, you will be in really big trouble. All these rules, right? That we talk. I can't. I do not look forward to sixteen-year-old kids. That <laughs> I like my six-year-old, but they, we have these conversations, right? Be safe. Pay attention. Do not text. All these things. And so about a month into getting my license, I was driving home late at night and I I ended up getting in a bad car accident. And so everything that I had been taught up to this point, no longer, I'm not processing all the, all the training. What do you do in these? I don't, I have no clue anymore. I just am frozen inside my car. I can't even get out to look at it. I know it's bad. I'm pretty sure I'm never driving this car again, and I'm just stuck. What do I do? I'm too afraid to call the cops. I'm too afraid to talk to the guy. I. I it's dark. It's scary, and I'm just this little girl who's very afraid. And I know, right? It's my fault. I've done not a good thing right here. This is my lowest moment up to this point. And all I can think to do, all I have since to do is call my dad. And I was 16. I was a teenager. I did not call my dad, daddy. (laughs) But there's this one moment I can remember calling him daddy. And it's when he picks up the phone. Daddy. And that was enough. I was just like, I need you. I need you. And my dad moved heaven and earth to get to me. In fact, he left my mom, I think. He got there before my mom and the police because he drove so fast to get to me. And while I'm waiting for him, I'm sitting in my car and I'm going over, this is gonna be really expensive. I'm gonna have to pay this. I don't know how, I don't have a penny to my name. I'll get a job. I'll work it off. It'll take me probably the rest of my life. But I'll I'll do it. And I'm ready to apologize to my dad. I'm so sorry I did this. You, You trusted me. I was supposed to do the right thing. I'm so sorry. Right? I'm playing this out in my head. Ready? Because I deserve to pay for this. I deserve to be in trouble. I deserve to have what's coming to me. And church, this may be my pregnancy hormones, but when my dad, when I saw my dad, he jumps out of his car and he's running across the streets. And all he does is grab me and hug me. It's okay. I'm so sorry. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Your dad's here. I gotcha. Dad, I'll pay for it. I promise. I'll figure. Don't worry about it. It's already been paid. The debt's already been paid for you. I have you. Because here's what he cared about. His daughter... His child was going to wake up the next morning in his house. And Jesus isn't hanging on that cross thinking, well, here's what I'm going to tell you. Here's what you're going to owe me. You should feel really bad. He's celebrating. He's saying, Teleste, us, tell us, I get to spend eternity with you. You're going to wake up in my house. And I would pay any debt. Any parent in this room knows that feeling, right? You see your child in danger? I would pay anything to know my child's safe. Anything. I would go bankrupt for those babies. And my dad saw that that night. It was real to him that night. And for Jesus, it was that real. It was his little sons and daughters in trouble, crying out for help. Whether they knew it or not, he saw the seriousness of the situation. And he said, no, the debt is paid. It's taken care of. Now come home and celebrate with me. Your debt is paid in full. And then the last part to tell us, This one would have been for those who had ears to hear. For those Israelites who knew of the Old Testament, who were practicing Jews, it would have been for them. The sacrifice is accomplished. The sacrifice is accomplished. Because here, here was the thing, on the Day of Atonement, which was during a different time of year, but it was this something that happened annually. On the Day of Atonement, Israel would have to atone for their sins. They would have to make a sacrifice for the things, they would come together, it was the most sombering day For the Israelites, it was the the account, right? The sins of us had to be accounted for. And so Israel would come together on the day of atonement and account for their sins. But there also had to be a sacrifice to take place for those sins. And so on that day, the high priest would be required to make a sacrifice on behalf of Israel and all of their sins to cover over them. And if we remember, Easter is actually, when this is all happening and unfolding for Jesus and he's on the cross, it's actually during the time of Passover. And what was Passover? Why did they celebrate? Why do we celebrate Passover? It was the remembrance of God passing over Israel while they were in captivity in Egypt, when he comes and takes the firstborn. But here's the deal. He didn't just pass over them because he likes them. They had to sacrifice an animal and put the blood had to be shed and put on the doors for God to pass over. Blood had to be shed. Our sacrifice has to happen, right? There has to be something there. It's not just, oh, your sins are forgiven. No, a sacrifice has to be made. And so this was the ritual that would take place every year. But when the high priest would emerge and the work was finished, he would utter the words to Telestai. The sacrifice is complete. And this is the final thing Jesus tells us. You don't have to come back. Every time you make a mistake, every time you sin, the work is complete today. The sacrifice is finished. It is accomplished. What sacrifice did Jesus make for you and me? It says this in Hebrews 9:11 through 15. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered the greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which this was not made by human hands and is not part of this created created world. What we had here was a replica of what's there. The perfect temple, the perfect tabernacle, a place that was too holy for us. And God knew we could never stand there before him. A sacrifice perfect had to be made with his own blood, right? With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves. He entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Your salvation is not temporary. Your salvation is not based on how good of a life you live. Your salvation is based on what Jesus did and his perfection. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity, but it was only temporary. But this, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. He wants to be with you. He wants to spend eternity with you. So he sent his son. He said, you know what? There is no way. And through man, there was not going to be a way. So I will make a way. I will make not just a way. He made the perfect way and his name was Jesus. For by the power of eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And that is why he is the one. So, right, he dies for us and he sacrifices himself. But then he goes and does this greater thing. He says this, that is why he is the one who mediates. He goes and on your behalf defends you and makes a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. You have an eternal inheritance and you get to receive it now because of this new covenant Jesus made with God and man on your behalf. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you have done. For Christ died to set us free. He died to set us free from the penalty of sins that we had committed under that first covenant. And here, I was thinking about this. I have, we, we are raising children, and this is a very privileged area, right? Would you not agree? It's a very privileged country. It's a very privileged county. And we struggle right now with raising kids who are not entitled to their privilege. And the thing is, I want to give my kids everything, and I gladly do. But sometimes they take for granted what they've really been given the prosperity and the freedom that they get to live in. Last year we went on vacation. And my our oldest, he is about to turn 6, Ezra. We we took him to Phoenix and it we saved up. I mean, it was a nice vacation. If you're going to do it, do it right. That's my theory. So we we were doing it right. And we went out to dinner to the Tommy Bahama restaurant, which is my all-time favorite restaurant. I love it. It's so good. And it's expensive. My kids were drinking water out of wine glasses. They thought they were they were real cool at Tommy Bahama. <laughs> it's like a bunch of it's it's mostly for people older than us, (laughs) but my parents took us, so it's tradition to me, and we're the only people with kids, and that's pretty much always, you know, right, we just have the screaming kids, I've just accepted it, I've got over embarrassment, (laughs) whatever, I'm paying for it, I'll tip you good, it's fine, I'll just, I'll tip you, I'm sorry for the macaroni, it's okay, but we, like, walk out, there's not really even a thank you, you know, I have to remind my kids, like, what, what, what do you say? Thank you. Okay. (laughs) It's enough. It's fine. One day you'll get it. Because I called my mom last year on vacation and thanked her for all the vacations they took us on and my horrible, ungrateful attitude during those vacations. (laughs) It comes back, right? But the next night's our little Ezra goes, where are we going to dinner? And I was like, oh, we're going to go to In-N-Out because we spent about $100 last night. We're going to spend $10 tonight. And In-N-Out's good. Who doesn't want a good cheeseburger? And he goes, I thought you would have taken us to Tommy Bahama again. <laughs> I'm just like, you're going home. You're going home. I'm flying you home. They, they, can, the, they, they can take care of you. Someone else can take care of you. But he lacked the understanding of just how much blessing he had been given. And I think we do this sometimes with what Jesus did for us. We like to live, we enjoy the fruit of the price he paid and never stop to think what he really paid. What he really sacrificed. How much it really cost Jesus. And I, I was thinking, there's a lot of times I get into the thought process, well, God, you haven't done this for me. Where are you at in this? Why haven't you shown up? Why aren't we going to Tommy Bahama again? If we're all really honest, right? We do this, I think it's human. The further we get from a gift we've been given, it has to be something we purposely choose to be thankful for. And here's what I know our hearts should be God if you never gave me anything again. If you never did another great thing for my life and for me, what you did on that cross for me is enough forever. That we should have such thankful hearts that that one act of love should be enough to move us each and every day, that it was enough, that it was more than enough, that we should have eyes and ears to see and understand what he did for us was so great a gift. We could never have gotten it ourselves. And so as I come to the end of this message, to Telestai, the tense in which Jesus spoke this is very important. In Greek, the tensing really does matter. And he used a tense called the perfect tense. And we don't have an equal or equivalent in English. But it was really, this perfect tense was really two tensing together that he's combining. It was rare to be used in the Greek, to die, And it represented the perfect tense and the aorist tense. And so the aorist tense, it's both things at once. The aorist is something at a specific point in time. It's a tense that represents a specific point, a specific time. But the present tense represented something linear. Something that continues on into the future and has ongoing results and implications. So get this. He could have chosen anything to say. And he says to tell us, die. The work is complete. The debt is paid in full and the sacrifice is accomplished. And then this, right? Cause it's the perfect tense. And that work will continue to be complete. And that debt will continue to be paid. And that sacrifice will continue to be finished. It continues forward. I like to think of it like this. Your salvation was momentary, but your salvation is also eternal. It was finished the day you met him and it's finished today and it will be finished tomorrow. His work continues on into eternity and one day he's coming back to get us. One day he's coming back to redeem this world. His work continues forward to tell "Die." It didn't end that day, it began that day. And if you're standing in the crowd, you hear this. Your work's not done just today. He was signaling to them, don't you dare give up hope. Don't you dare go back to that old life. Don't you dare return to the things of old. I am coming back for you. My work isn't just finished today. He could have very easily said, I am finished. No, he said, it is finished. It is finished and it will continue to be finished. Keep your eyes open. Keep your ears listening. I'm coming back. You just wait and see. You just wait and see to tell us die. His work was for there and his work is for now. And today we get the opportunity to go into a time of communion. What better day to celebrate, right? We take communion in remembrance of him. Well, what are we remembering? We're remembering that he finished it. But before we go into communion that Pastor Terry's going to lead us in, I can't not get off the stage without giving an opportunity to take part in die in his finished work, in what he's done. And maybe for you, maybe this is your first time hearing this or your first time hearing it this way, or maybe, maybe you've heard these words, but he's calling today. There's power today. You have ears to hear today. Or maybe you've walked away and you've let the power slip. You've fallen into that place of entitlement maybe. Well, I'm owed this. No, you weren't owed anything. You actually owed something. And so if you would just close your eyes and bow your heads. I want to give an opportunity to know this Jesus. This father who died for you. So that you could have your internal inheritance with him. So if that resonates with you, if he calls to you, would you just be bold enough to raise your hand? yeah, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you, just one more minute, just want to make sure I don't miss anyone, I see you, all over, I see you in the back, so the Bible, it makes it really simple, the gift wasn't free him, but he makes it so simple for us. It says in the Bible, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord, right? That he died, that he did come to this earth, that he did set you free. And that three days later he did raise himself, from right? He was, he rose from the grave. And if you believe that, if you want him to be your savior, if you want to live your life for him, would you all just agree with me and say, yes. Yes, 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 Jesus. Come and be our Lord, come and be our savior. And if you were one of those who raised your hand, let me just tell you, it's not that life becomes a cakewalk. It's not that you get to walk out of here and please don't in please don't have that belief Jesus tells us in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So have the hope. Here's what you should walk out of, the hope that you get to have eternity with Jesus and that no matter what you go through, no matter how long the road is, no matter how hard it gets, you have someone right beside you, holding you. You have a father who paid the debt for you and he is more than enough to get you through anything and everything. Do not let this world sway you to the right or to the left. May my prayer for you today is that you would have a firm foundation in the knowledge of what Jesus did for you and that it is more than enough. If you're in this room, and I didn't pray this for any other service, but I feel this specifically right now. If you're on a fence right now, and you're, trying, and you're swaying to the right and to the left, you know what the Bible tells us? It is better for you to be cold than lukewarm, and my encouragement to you today is jump into the hot. Jump into where he's leading you. Jump in. It is hard. Life is not meant always to be easy, but I can promise you, Serving Jesus is always worth it. Following him is some, it's a narrow road and few find it, but oh, if you find it, your inheritance, your treasure, do not let this world sway you. Do not let them take your hope. Hold on to the hope that is Jesus Christ. It is more than enough. We love you, Jesus, and we celebrate the victory of what you did then and now. In Jesus' name, amen.